Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today, we're talking about a place that I'm sure is on virtually everybody's bucket list, Nepal. Uh, I was lucky enough to spend uh, six weeks in Nepal uh, almost 20 years ago, and I, I absolutely fell in love with the country and the people and the diversity. And it's a place I, I dream about going back to. So I'm really excited today uh, to have an expert on what makes Nepal so special. And I'm pleased to welcome Sri Thapalatliya, founder of Trekking Team Group, a local Nepal adventure tour operator to the podcast to answer all my questions about this incredible country. Hi, Sri. Hi, Richard. Namaste. Namaste. So I have my own reasons why I fell in love with Nepal, but you know, you see, you know, thousands of guests. What do you hear from people that travel to Nepal about about what they love about tra uh, trekking in the country and exploring Nepal? Of course, Nepal. When you talk about Nepal, Himalayas is there. People understand the highest mountain on earth, and there is another aspect of the trekking in Nepal is the people. So when you ask people at the end of their holidays what makes them real experience trekking in Nepal Himalayas, they say the people. Of course, in the beginning they started it with the Himalayas, but later on they understand that Nepalese people are even more important, even more friendly, and it is, it is another aspect of attracting travelers to this country. I can attest to that. I still have uh, a great memory. When I was there, I hiked in from Jiri, which is the end of where the bus route used to be, with all the porters. And I went through little villages. Like I was the only trekker there with a bunch of porters. And, you know, just the villages I went through, the people were so kind. And, you know, here was just some foreigner going through. And, and it was, a, you know, kind of a highlight of my experience was just meeting people who uh, were just, you know, so outgoing. Um, I spent time in Pokhara and Kathmandu and then up uh, doing the Everest uh, to Gokyo and whatnot. Uh, so I know those areas a little bit, but, but Nepal's really, really diverse. And so how do you look at the different regions in Nepal that trekkers or adventurers may want to explore? Actually, when you talk about Nepal, Nepal has many big mountains, but it has also the plain hill, the plain tarai, the hill, the forest, and many things to explore. It has really diverse of everything, not only the landscape, but also the people, because Nepal has 26 different ethnic groups and 121 different languages are spoken. So imagine a country, a tiny Himalayan country, where you have so many different tribes, so many different ethnic groups, so many different languages spoken and almost every day there were some sort of festivals celebrated and this is amazing country so when people come here they will understand what they have missed it so it is really nice to be here once they arrived here they will understand and most of them most of them will plan their holidays already before they in their first trip and so what would you say is a trek that isn't as popular because of the logistics are hard, but is a really spectacular trek. 
Yes, most of the tricks are really spectacular, but what they are, first thing, you need longer time to get there. So people who booked holidays for that trick, particular trick, they need longer time. So not everyone will have a longer time. Okay, and second possible, the second things to consider is flight. You have to combine with the flight and sometimes even with overland. So flight can be canceled because of the weather. So if flight cancel, it will postpone the next day or the following day. So people should have flexibility as well. And so if a person has a lot of flexibility with time and they want to go to some place where there aren't many other people trekking, is there a trek you would recommend? That is possible. They can go Dolpo, the far western part of Nepal. That's completely non-tourist, but you need a special permit for that one. But of course, you need very good logistics there. So the trip itself is much, much more expensive than compared to all the trek of Nepal. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize Dolpo needed its own special uh, uh, trekking permit. I knew that was for some of the, for the peaks for climbing. That's new. So it must be very, uh, very remote in the Dolpo region. Dolpo region is pretty remote. You can only get there by flight. But nowadays, you can also go by overland, but not for the trekkers because you have to spend, you have to change more than 10 different places to get from one place to from starting to end. That sounds like uh, like a trip just in itself. So when people go trekking, you know, we everyone thinks of, of tea houses, but I know that, you know, some people choose to camp and in some places there are even kind of luxury accommodations. How do you recommend people look at the accommodations that they want to be in when they're, when they're trekking? Actually, yeah, there are three different tricks as you explained it. Train trek was the only trick operated in the Himalayas when there was no tea houses were built. We had to carry everything by ourselves, by porters, such as fuel, food, kitchen utensils, camping materials, and everything. So it wasn't very easy at all. But the plus point is we were able to camp in the wilderness away from the civilization, which makes people very, very nice and fun. So it was one of the best experience people used to have. But nowadays, the government and non-government agencies have trained and taught local peoples how they can generate some income from the tourism. So locals have started building a tea houses where you have simple but clean accommodation, food to eat, and hospitality of local family. This became very popular among the trekkers and operator just because you are more in contact with the local peoples so you will understand their culture you will understand their religion you will understand about the destination or people of the destination that they have traveled so this is another possibility now and nowadays most of these trekkers who come to nepal they use they go tea house trick because it is cheaper so logistic is easier and it is more comfortable it is more um, warmer in the mountain, if you go, if you have to sit, sleep under the tent, it's very cold. But if you sleep in the tea houses in the hotel, it's much more warmer than on the tent. But nowadays, there is another possibility, it's luxury trick, we call that. 
because uh, not everyone want to compromise with the you know quality of the services some people can't travel in a very cheap accommodations or you know can't stay in a hotel which is very basic or rustic so many Nepalese people have built a luxury accommodation in different trekking parts where the trekkers can stay overnight in a luxury accommodation so they will have their heating blankets they will have comfortable beds they will have good food friendly stuff and everything so they don't have to compromise with, with anything they will have hot sour as well and internet in their room so these are much more luxury and you can what you can do this day is even you can trick all the way to Everest base camp and then fly with helicopter to Kathmandu combined with a luxury accommodation and helicopter flights so you don't have to trick round trip go and come back on the same trail again yeah, I remember when I when I did my trip to Nepal, I was a ultra budget traveler. And so I remember staying in guest houses or tea houses that had no heating and just, you know, being shivering in my in my rented sleeping bag and uh, you know, hearing of, you know, central heating and warming blankets and hot showers. That sounds really good because <laughs> it gets warm during the day, but at nights it gets really cold, especially up near Gokyo and Everest Base Camp. It, it was really chilly. Imagine if you had to sleep there under tent, you would be even freezing that time because it would be really, really cold in the tier under the tent if you had to sleep in the tent. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it, it would be kind of neat, though, I think, to sleep in a tent if you weren't around, you know, a village, but just to be out in the middle of the Himalayas and have, you know, one or two tents, you know, looking up at the incredible, I, I still remember the stars we would see. It was just incredible because there was not a lot of lights around us. And it was just, you know, the brightest nighttime with, you know, incredible views. So for people who haven't been to Nepal, who are thinking maybe this is something they want to do, what are some tips you'd give people who are thinking of, oh, I might want to do this trip for a first time? Or what should they do before they come to Nepal? When they plan a trip to Nepal or before coming to Nepal, they have to think about timing because Nepal is a far away from North America. So it takes quite a long flights, long haul flights from North America to Nepal. So people should have at least, I think at least 10 days time or the best would be between two weeks to three weeks holiday. The timing is the most important things. So they have to consider timing first people make any plan to Nepal. And second thing, they have to train themselves because the more fit they are, the more enjoy they can do because even if you booked not only trekking holidays but if you book just the culture trip of nepal it is still has you know walking tour so you have to trek you have to walk in the city you have to walk in you know, up up and down in the stairs so you should be able to do that and of course beside that you have to learn about the books of nepal which give you lots of information about culture peoples and you know different type of trekking routes that encourage people to come here understand about the country understand about the peoples understand about everything that they wanted to plan or wanted to do before they come to nepal i think your training comment is such a good comment uh early on on the on the podcast we actually had a a trainer that specialized in 
trekking and and people that want to go on adventures. And he said a lot of his clients were training for the Himalayas. And what I found is what I can do in the Rocky Mountains is totally different than when I'm at 4,500 meters. You know, I, I, I remember looking at the itinerary. I'm like, these days are really short. This is going to be so easy. And then when you're there to walk eight kilometers and 500 meters, like I would take us four hours. And I just, everything is just so much more difficult at elevation. And I was lucky. I was you know really fit then and, and didn't have the issues. But I saw a lot of people that hadn't trained. They actually had to turn back. And so they'd get up to, you know, Tengboche or, you know, somewhere and they just say, I can't handle this. This is too hard for me because they had put the work in beforehand. They weren't able to, you know, to complete their trek, uh, which I always thought, oh, that's that's kind of that's kind of too bad that they just weren't fit enough to, to do one of these trips. So I want to talk a little bit about the different places to go trekking in Nepal. And we'll start with the ones everyone knows, and then maybe go into some of these other areas that are, are less well known. So let's let's talk with you know the most famous trek in in Nepal, uh, Everest Base Camp. What can you tell? So someone who's thinking about about EBC, what are some of the details? When should they go? What are the different itineraries they should consider? Everest Base Camp is probably one of the most popular trek in Nepal and probably in the world, because you will get base camp of the highest mountain on earth and when you check Everest base camp you will meet the most friendly people of the world the Sherpa and known as the climbers of the Himalayas and beside that when you make an Everest trek there are so many possibilities of doing a side trip so you can go to Gokyo Lake you can go to Everest base camp you can make to Amadablam base camp or you know there are many side trip people can do and this is depends on how long time they have so normally when we sail 16 or 17 days holidays from Kathmandu to Kathmandu we have one standard package going to Everest Base Camp and come back that's include two days of climatized day and two night before the trek and two night after the trek the reason having two night before the trek is just because we wanted to make sure people are totally climatized. And we just wanted to give them one day sightseeing before they go to trekking. That give them just a bit information about Nepal, people, culture and everything. So they have, you know, they are they will not be really sucked once they are arrived in Lukla or Namche Bazaar. So at least they should have some sort of information about Nepal before flying to Lukla. And after that they will have about twelve days trek. 12 to 13 days trek in, in the Himalayas, which include two days of fully climatized day. That means we will go to climb some peak around that region, which up to 5,000 meter or even 5,500 meter. That means we do not keep people very passive. We want to make them as active as possible, even on a climatized day. That makes them very, very good with the climatized. So they will normally have no problem the next day or the following day. And Everest is one of the regions that has these these luxury tea houses. Do the tea houses go all the way up to Everest Base Camp that you can stay in luxury? It doesn't go all the way to Everest Base Camp. There are at least three nights they don't get luxury accommodation there. But beside that, most of the places they would get luxury accommodation with eatings and everything. Now, when I did EBC, I walked in from Jiri uh, I had lots of time. And so I'm always a fan. You know, you mentioned having three weeks to go to Nepal. I think that's, you know, 
really great because you can you know spend more time do people still walk in i I know i did it just for acclimatization just to make sure i had no problem with elevation but are people still choosing to walk in or does pretty much everyone fly into lukla there are very very few people doing trek from jiri there are two reasons many people don't have time as their goal is everest base camp so everybody wanted to fly to lukla the second thing is that there are route going on from Jiri to further up for next two or three days of the trek. So that route goes along the trails because they just destroyed the trekking trail and made the motorable road. So which also does not make very good for the people to choose the same trekking trails, you know, same same treks. So that's that's probably the reason why very less people are doing trek from Jiri these days. Oh, interesting. I, th- I didn't realize that. that. That's interesting to hear. So Everest, is it kind of 10 days would be the shortest you'd recommend for someone that wants to go and, and experience uh, EBC? If they really wanted to go Everest Base Camp, you really need this 17 days time. 17 days means arriving in Kathmandu and leaving from Kathmandu. So that will be about 12 to 13 days trekking on the trails. Okay. If you don't need to go Everest Base Camp, but wanted to see Everest, and the Himalayas and Serpa people, then you can just make seven days, eight days, six days trekking as well, just to get up to Namsi or Fursi and up to 4,500 meter or up to even 5,000 meter. And you can come back again by flight with from Lukla to Kathmandu. So you really don't have to have 17 days time to enjoy the holidays, to enjoy the Himalayas and the Everest. If you really wanted to get Everest Space Camp, then you need longer time. That's just because the acclimatization, isn't it? Just so that people don't get altitude sickness, which is which is common for people that, especially if you're living at sea level, all of a sudden you're at 4,000 meters. That's really tough for the body to, to deal with. Exactly. Sometimes people don't understand what they said when they write us an email. They said, we only have 14 days time and we want to do Everest Space Camp. Or we want to have, we only have 12 days time and we want to do Everest Space Camp. So when we said it is not possible, we can't organize this because you will have lots of problems. You will get sick, so you will be rather getting to Everest Base Camp. You will be, you have to be evacuated with helicopter and spend your holiday for nothing. So sometimes they're disappointed and they just choose different company. And later on, we found and we saw that many trekkers had problem and realize it that we were the right and we had the right information so next time they came with us on the trekking holidays so we really don't want to push with many people don't make Everest Base Camp two or three times in their life most of the trekkers come here once in a life to do Everest Base Camp trek okay so we wanted to make this trek as memorable as possible as safe as possible and we always wanted to tell our clients please try to take longer time try to check at least 70 days time so that we will have plenty of time for comedy you know climatize plenty of time to stay in Kathmandu before and after the trek because domestic flights are not really reliable especially the local flights because there are lots of cancellations because of this reason so we at least need two night times when we come back from the trek not to miss the international flights I think that's such good advice. And, and I, I like how you framed it. You know, for most people, they're not going to come to Everest Base Camp year after year. It's a once in a lifetime. And to try and to fit it into, you know, 12 days, 
you're likely not going to achieve it. And, and in a shorter time frame, there's lots of great trekking you can do that won't take you so high. You can see Everest, you can experience the Himalayas without, you know, having to be, to be evac'd. And actually, I know someone who is evac'd. They had a, a really good acclimatization schedule, but they're just finding at this point in their life, they can't, they can't go to high altitudes anymore. Um, and it's tough. Like if you're sitting there with a high altitude edema, you're coughing and, you know, you're in danger. It's, it's scary to be helicoptered out. And in his case, he was in a Kathmandu hospital for about a week. And so, you know, it's something to take really serious and, you know, trying to save two days is definitely not worth it because it'll ruin your trip. On to another exciting place, uh, the Annapurna region. And so this Annapurna has kind of two classic treks. One is the Annapurna circuit and one is just to Annapurna base camp. Can, can you share a little bit about these, these two different treks? Annapurna is another popular trek in Nepal. It is easy to access to the starting point. So you can go by bus, by overland to the starting point. And the reason why Annapurna is very popular, the Annapurna circuit itself is a round trek. So you don't have to go and come back on the same trails. That makes trekkers every day, new route, every day, new scenery. So people really loved it. But what happened this day is also Nepal government has kind of policies to bring the motorable road up to the district headquarters. So they started digging all the trekking trails and converted into the motorable road. So that destroyed the lower part of the trekking trail of Annapurna circuit and the finishing part of the, you know, trails of the Annapurna circuit. So it, it used to be a longer trek, but nowadays you can finish this trek just about 10, 12 days. So you will drive all the way from Kathmandu up to the two or three days of the trek. And then after you make about eight days or nine days trek, then you fly back from Jomsom to Pokhara. And Pokhara is one of the most beautiful city of Nepal. There are many lakes, and this is kind of, it is to be a hippie paradise. You know, there are many trekkers who want to spend their time relaxing, doing meditations, you know, massage, just swimming in a lake and enjoying the, you know, nice food in the lakeside. So this is also the reason why people go on Napuna because they wanted to see Pukara. They wanted to relax there after trek at least one or two days. And it is quite easy to come back from Pokhara to Kathmandu. If people don't have budget, they can take an overland trip. If people have budget, they can take a flight back. Depends on their time frame and budget. So there are lots of flexibility on this trek. And because of this reason, Annapurna is also a very, very popular trek for among the peoples. Another trek is is the Mustang, uh, the upper Mustang, which, you know, having seen videos and photos, it's, it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Mustang is like a... Dolpo or like a Tibet. If you have been Tibet, it's exactly like Tibet because it has border between Tibet and the culture of people who live in Mustang are also culture similar to Tibet and they practice similar kind of, you know, other things, festival and so on things as well. So Mustang is actually in Annapurna region and Mustang is a special place where you need a special permit and need at least two people to make the permit as a group. So if you are a single person and wanted to go Mustang, that is not possible. 
So you have to have at least two people as a group and has to book free time in advance. So we have to apply a special permit with the government which costs you $500 for 10 days permit. And then we provide all the logistics and we, we make a trick there. The photos and the videos you see of Everest or Annapurna are, you know, it just seems the Mustang's totally different. It, it seems more arid and uh, less, less, it seems less like there's less town or less, less villages. It just, it just seems really magical. Uh, do they limit how many people can, can trek on the Mustang, you know, each day or each season? No, normally they say it's 500 people each season. Nowadays, Mustang has also one problem because they have built the road many places. Up to the Lomantang, Lomantang of, is headquarters of Mustang. So you can even drive there by Jeep. Nowadays, we are also promoting their biking trip. We are also promoting the Jeep safari, Jeep trip. You know, those people who can't trek, they can, they can take a four-wheel drive Jeep, go all the way from there to Kathmandu to Mustang, and they spend a night in a typical village, and they spend a night with the families there, and explore. They can go all the way to Chinese border. You can drive all the way to Chinese border, but there are also places where you can avoid the road. So people can go all the way trekking through the different villages, explore their culture, different monasteries, different cave. They are really unique. And uh, some of these cave are there for, you know, 2,500 years before. And there are different lamas and gurus who have meditated there for a long, long time. And we can explore all these places and then come back by Jeep. That is also possible, depends on how people have time. That sounds wonderful. Uh, I was talking to somebody recently about a month ago, and they were talking about they'd done the Lang Tang truck, and they just loved it. And uh, they said it's a bit easier than other treks. What should people know about the Lang Tang? Lang Tang used to be third most popular trek of Nepal. It's not far from Kathmandu. You don't have to combine with the flight because you go by their overland by four-wheel drive jeep or bus, depends on group size. So, and Langtang and Gozaikund, there is a two lake, that's beautiful lake, holy lake, which is known as the Gozaikund. So you can you can do a combina combination of Langtang and Gozaikund. You can just go Langtang, make about 70 days trek and come back the same route. Or you can make Langtang, Gozaikund or Helambu, make kind of circuit for about 13 to 14 days trek. So this is also very, very beautiful trek. But during 2015 earthquake, the Langtang village was totally swept away from the landslide. The government of Nepal knew this just after a few days later from the pilots, heli helicopter pilots who was there, you know, to pick up some people there. And then it was a really sucking news for everyone. Then government, in non-government organization, tourism company all started building this place and in you know helping the people of that Langtang region and even trekkers who have been to Nepal before came again to help those people who really needed some tourism and some income there so then after they restarted rebuilding this area and now it's completely recovered and everything is very well almost like back to the normal and now many people started going there and it's a beautiful trek. You can you can you can make it short trek, you can make a longer trek. It is very easy to combine with uh, you know overland trip. So you don't have to worry about the flight cancellation or anything like that. There is no special permit needed. So Langtang can be another 
good option for the trickers who love to company pool. And then the last one I wanted to talk about was uh, Manaslu, which I don't know anything about it. I, I've heard about it, but actually I know nothing. I don't even know where it is in Nepal. Manaslu is between Kathmandu and Annapurna region, in between, okay? Manaslu, the last part of Manaslu, end is starting point of the Annapurna circuit trek. And Manaslu is one of the most popular trek these days because it is completely circuit trek. It goes over 5,400 meters, crossing through the Larkela Pash, and it goes through the many monasteries, and there are beautiful lakes, and you can get up to Manaslu Base Camp. So there are many side trip exploration you can do during this trek, and you can combine very easily with the overland trip, so you don't have to combine, combine with the flight there. So Manaslu became one of the nicest trek and popular trek these days. So after Everest Base Camp, Manaslu is the next sailing trek of Nepal these days. Oh, wow. I'll have to put that on my on my bucket list. Um, before we started talking today, you and I were just chatting about uh, I have a young family and, you know, it's on our bucket list for my kids to come to Nepal. And so for families that are looking to go to Nepal, what are some of the treks that are suitable for, you know, for kids who, who can't handle, you know, high elevation or, or big days of elevation gain? Then for those family, I will rather recommend Annapurna Base Camp, 4,200 meter, which is really not a problem for the family. Most of the kids don't have any problem at all with altitude. Most of the kids. We never had a single cases, sickness of altitude, for, you know, for the small kids. So that is not really a problem. Besides that, if you don't want to go 4,200 meter high, there are other tricks like Punil trick, there are Mardi Himal trick, which goes up to 3,500 meter or nearly 4,000 meter. You can easily do this with your kids. And they are close from Pokhara, so you can go. The combination of family trip would be arrive in Kathmandu, spend two days time exploring the heritage site. Then you can go to Chito National Park, see some wild animals and relax in Tarai. Then you drive to Pokhara, the beautiful lake city, which you can see mountain views and, you know, children can relax there. And you start your trek from Pokhara, either Punhil or Mardi Himal, which is about six to seven days trick there or you can finish within five days too depends on your time frame and then you finish your trick in Pukhara again and you can fly back to Kathmandu so that will be perfectly two weeks holiday. That sounds really great and I just know how interesting Kathmandu is especially I can just imagine you know my kids who haven't ever seen you know a city like that exploring the different temples and you know the different uh, shops and restaurants and you know just a, it's a totally different way of life from what they're used to here in here in Canada. I have a question about the Great Himalaya Trail. I know you have some trips on you know parts of the Great Himalaya, Himalaya Trail. These seem like they're pretty challenging trips. Can can you just talk a little bit about what the Great Himalaya is? Great Himalayan Trails is a combination of many different tricks of Nepal. So that you start from eastern part of Nepal, far eastern part of Nepal, and finish far western part of Nepal. So that's including Kanchanjunga, Makalu, Everest, uh, Gauri Sankar, Langtang, and Ganesh Himal, Manaslu, and Annapuna, and further up Dolpo, up East Nepal. So most of these trekking trails, you know, comes 
on this Great Himalayan Trail. So there are some people who does part of the Great Himalayan Trails. There are very, very few people who does entire Great Himalayan Trails because you need long time for that between three to five months, depends on your time. Sometimes it is a raining season. Sometimes, you know, there are very cold winter season. So people can't really trick during that period. So they have to avoid that period too. But so because of this reason, a Great Himalayan Trails is a, you know, really nice trick, but you have to be really, really tough. And you have to have long holiday, like five, five months or longer than that. So you have to, you have to sell your house or leave your job come here, do a great Himalayan trails, go there, buy it again, and start the job again. This is how normally people <laughs> do it. Uh, it sounds incredible. And is, is that one where you have to carry a tent as well? Or are there tea houses you can stay in along the way? Lots of, lots of tents, lots of high passes, and lots of logistics. But of course, on the way, on many places where you can also make tea houses and stay in the local houses. Uh, excellent. You talked a little bit about the seasons and discussing the uh, Great Himalayan Trail. In general, for people that are thinking of a trekking holiday in Nepal, what are the seasons they should consider uh, or what months are the best times to go there? Yeah, talking about the season after the monsoon, October, November is one of the best seasons for trekking holidays in Nepal. But considering this, people have to understand that when they travel the best time of Nepal, there will be lots of people okay so because october november is after the monsoon so visibility is very very clear so they will see really good view of mountain and visibility is one probably one of the best visibility you can find in a whole year and then after there is a second season we called march april this is second good season of nepal is a time where there are lots of flower blooming so it's springtime so you, you see lots of different flower you know wildflowers and other flowers like rhododendrons full of coloring like punil trek I, I i talked with you for a family trip it's full of rhododendron flower during springtime so you can even make during that period and beside that if you go dolpa trek or mustang trek you can do in summertime which is monsoon time of nepal because these two areas is a rain cedar area. We hardly have rain there. So people go this trek during this period because all the time of the year, like um, uh, like um, winter time, you will have lots of snow. So people can't make trek there, it is too cold. So the best time to make their trek is starting from May, June, July, August, up to September. These are the month they can trek in Mustang and Opal Tolpa. But for all the trekking reason, you normally do this autumn or a springtime. And there are very few trekking you can do in monsoon time. Normally, there are every space camp you can, you can do in monsoon. But why we don't recommend? Because people come once in life and we just don't want them to cancel the flight, you know, two or three times and get no view at all in the mountains. They will have no other trekkers there. They will in light, like that. They will. This is the advantage things, but there are lots of disadvantages. So we really don't want to recommend them during this period. For most people, it's a once in a lifetime trip. So to go when you can't see Everest, or you know your flights are canceled, or you, you know there's going to be inclement weather, um, it makes sense to go when it's you know when the conditions are are great. You know this has been just so great, Shri, as you've been been sharing these 
different places. You know, I'm just getting excited thinking about, you know, going back to Nepal. So uh, I really appreciate uh, you sharing your expertise and your knowledge about, you know, just this incredible adventure country. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to share some experience with you and really nice meeting you again. And hopefully we'll see soon with your families. I hope so. I'm going to put links to the some of the trips we discussed in the show notes because these really are incredible, incredible places to visit. And I know when I talk to people coming out of the pandemic, a lot of people, they spent the time dreaming about their their bucket list trips. And, you know, people are starting to think, okay, I want to go to Nepal. I want to go experience this because I've been dreaming about it, watching movies during the pandemic. And so we have, we have some great trips on 10 Adventures and you can uh, you can go see the places Shri is talking about. Uh, and so with that, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures on the 10 Adventures podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.